many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Superhumans, it's Boomer Anderson, and we're back with another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. As always, I love talking to people on this podcast. I really enjoy putting this together, and I hope you enjoy listening. One critical aspect or silo, not actually silo, one critical aspect of the system's approach to performance is the environment. And much like the word terroir, environment gets overused in terms of a terminology. So let us define it before getting into today's episode. Environment is everything around you. It's the people you interact with. It's the air you breathe. It's the light you take in, etc., etc. And today we're going to specifically drill down into air. And my guest today is Aki Sudansari, who's the co-founder and strategy director of Nava. That's N-A-A-V-A. And Aki lives and breathes entrepreneurship, which he really defines as bringing ideas into action. After working as a teacher in a physical education and health sciences field, Aki worked on his PhD where he met his co-founder of Nava, Nico. And that became six years later, where Nava has grown into an innovative experiment from two young men to a global business. Nava really brings nature indoors. And if you want to take a look at what a Nava furniture wall looks like, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But it allows people to create natural environments where they can feel better, healthier, and happier. Aki has been nominated for Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year, PwC's Most Valuable Entrepreneur, and Young Academic Entrepreneur Awards. He's also been invited by the President of Finland to join Finland's 100-year ceremonies in 2017 and has been a keynote speaker at tens of different seminars, events, and conferences. This conversation was a lot of fun for me because you can see through the episodes of Decoding Superhuman that we do focus quite a bit on environment. We've done uh, an episode where we discussed the healthy home, and this is an extension of that episode, but yet a very deep focus on air and air quality. In this episode, we talk about really plants and how plants can help us optimize air, but not just really the plant because the plant doesn't really do a lot of the filtering. It's the microbes. And so we spend a lot of time talking about what these microbes are and really how they help us filter air, what the chemical compounds are in our air that are actually causing us harm, how being at an office all day long may not be conducive to the best cognitive performance, and really how installing a novel wall or a plant wall with a lot of microbes can help improve cognitive performance by up to 65%, which is crazy. You're going to want to check out the show notes for this one because there's a lot of studies referenced. It's at decodingsuperhuman.com slash nava. That's N-A-A-V-A. Enjoy my episode with Aki Sudansari. All right, so you guys are probably wondering, what are the brands of blue light blockers that I recommend? Well, one of them is the sponsor for today's podcast, and they are Blue Blocks. I've had the CEO, Andy Mant, on the show before where we got into a really deep dive on blue light. And you know that if you get any amount of blue light in your glasses, no matter if it's 
whatever, it does disrupt melatonin production. And so Andy has created blue light blockers that hold up to the highest standards. And in fact, and I'll link to it in the show notes, you can see when he's tested it versus other brands that they always come out on top. And so quality is a thing I appreciate and is what exactly I recommend for all of our clients. But if you head over to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and plug in the code DS15, you're going to get 15% off. And now on with the show. Aki, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Boomer. So this is a topic that we focused on a little bit on the podcast. I look forward to going into deeper today because... Your company is very much entrenched, so to speak, with the idea of air quality. And so before we kind of go into into what your company does and how you use the technology, do you mind just defining for us how bad is the air quality in offices and cities these days? Well, if you if you're gonna wanna paint a picture from the top level, I think uh, air quality is the biggest environmental health risk in the world according to world health organization kind of seven million people uh, die every year prematurely uh, due to poor air quality so that's in a bigger level it, it's pretty bad seven million people so basically what one percent of the planet dies every year yes that's pretty, pretty wow pretty wow yeah. okay and uh, if you think about kind of your your yesterday most likely you spend like 90 95 percent 98 percent of time, your time indoors winter times or kind of we're not protected from the pollution uh, in, in indoors as well and if you think about how much kind of things you consume you every day you consume like one kilo or two pounds of food two kilos or four pounds of, of, of uh, liquids but 14 kilos or 30 pounds of indoor air per day and people don't realize yet kind of what does it do to you and so other than death what are the, some of the things that it does actually do to you because I, I think, you know, we've had uh, a, an environmental biologist on before, but do you mind just going through some of the impacts that air can have on us? Well, sure. There's, a, there's, there's like multiple things, especially nowadays. There's a lot of research on kind of office air versus green air, natural air, and, and so on. And, uh, for example, there was a Harvard Medical School study a few years ago uh, where they studied kind of average office air compared to that so-called green air, so so uh, forest air. And and uh, there was uh, up to 61% difference in cognitive performance in, in people who were kind of breathing so-called natural air compared to this man-made, chemically kind of uh, induced air. Sorry, you said 61%? Yes. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. And uh, and uh, it kind of consisted of, consisted of people's ability to solve problems, to be creative, uh, and so on. All of those things that we as kind of as office workers, more or less, are doing every day. So kind of having fresh air has a direct impact on your cognitive performance. And uh, there was a set of studies with Harvard Medical School, and, and, and there, was, there was like direct correlation between stock prices and air quality outdoors. Wow. That would be, that'd be a hell of an investment strategy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It doesn't have a huge impact on on that. Also, kind of your mood and 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 your kind of body bodily functions in in multiple ways. But I think the cognitive performance is the biggest one, 
And then naturally, if you think about air quality or indoor environment in general, including humidity levels and, and whatnot, it has a bigger impact as well. For example, kind of a air humidity levels indoors in the wintertime, especially in the Nordics, is a big issue because your, your skin is dry, your eyes are dry, your mucous membranes are dry. And, and for example, in mucous membranes, you, you get a lot of these micro cracks due to a dry indoor air and that causes viruses and whatnot to, to penetrate the, the kind of membranes. So it is a big problem. So let's let's go into some of these benefits in a little bit more detail because you mentioned humidity, which is a very interesting topic in itself. In terms of, obviously the highlight number of 67% improvement in cognitive performance is great. Uh, what additional benefits do we see? Because, yeah, there's that sort of psychological benefits that you and I were talking about beforehand. Because you guys use plants directly rather than, let's say, an air filter. Uh, what additional benefits do the plants provide? Well, yeah, so our kind of uh, approach is how can we create forest-grade air indoors? Uh, it kind of answers the biological need of us humans where we think about the built environment we've been uh, living outdoors in in forests and gave, uh, caves and so on for 300,000 years uh, the past 6,000 years we've been living in some kind of a constructed environment and the last 30 years or 20 years or 40 years depending on where you are we've been living in these sealed buildings sealed in a way that we are breathing man-made air not natural forest air air indoors and, uh, and uh, we, with kind of Nava, we are trying to create that uh, healthier, happier indoor environment by, by combining uh, high quality, forest quality air, adjusted humidity levels, and then bringing nature, real life nature indoors uh, with these kind of furniture green walls that we have created. So on the indoor air quality, because in, I've seen one of your presentations and you say that indoor air quality is 10 times worse than outdoor. This sealed air concept and sort of man-made air. What are what are the problems with man-made air, and why can't we just like bottle air from the outside and bring it in? I guess. Well, that that would be perfect if we could just uh, get the constant natural airflow from outside to inside. Uh, living in these environments where the where we have four seasons or three seasons and so on, naturally we need to heat the air where we are staying or spending the time the most. That means that we have kind of, uh, uh, during the last 20, 30 years, we've created these energy efficient buildings uh, where we kind of reuse the air indoors so we don't have to, uh, we don't have to kind of warm it up or, 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 and so on. And, and, and that kind of causes us to, to breathe this recycled air or partly recycled, partly new air and, and, and so on. So that's a big issue, issue kind of, uh, especially uh, in big cities we're actually opening a window if you can even do do that uh doesn't even mean that you're you're kind of uh, improving the air quality indoors yeah I, I can imagine if you're sitting in a place like beijing or shanghai like opening a window is not necessarily an option um yeah. even yeah. amsterdam on some days so i guess in terms of just kind of things that internal air quality the first steps that people may think of are things like hepa filters and those kinds of uh, air filters are those helping the cause or are they just further removing things from the air said another way do we need to be adding things back into the air that are already missing 
Well, it's, this is a really interesting kind of a point of view. If if you take a uh, high quality air or high quality sample of air in a forest, which is uh, kind of the, the best environment if you, th you think about human biology. If you, if you take a, a good enough sample out of that and then you analyze that, you can you can say that there's like hundreds of types of heavy chemicals found from that air. There's tens of different molds found from that air sample. And, and then if you take a sample from uh, from a so-called kind of a new building uh, where you're supposed to breathe clean air and, and, and air that's, that is good for you, there, there might be tens of chemicals and maybe a few different molds. But then if you think about how humans react to that air, most likely 30% of new buildings have an indoor air problem, uh, at least for a while. So, so um, it is a pretty interesting kind of a how, how do you define what is good and what is bad air other than from human kind of biology point of view. Where have we gotten used to that uh, during the kind of evolution? So um, in any case, uh, indoor air is a kind of a, a cocktail of different things. Uh, it, it includes kind of a different particles indoor air, like dust particle, kind of physical particle indoors, flowing in, in the air. There's the humidity levels, uh, the, the DOCs, the different gases that can be found indoors, in, including kind of good and bad ke chemicals there. Like smell of nature, it's a chemical, but it is not harmful for you in any ways. And, and uh, now this is the kind of how do we find the, the balance between kind of natural uh, and then man-made, which is kind of, we, we, we <laughs> there's always chemicals, off-gassing chemicals coming in from doors and carpets and paints and, and uh, furniture and whatnot. So now this is the kind of question, how do we na naturalize a balance that? One kind of a known example, if you think about you in a forest and you breathe kind of your full, full lung, lungs you breathe in, you, you can imagine how does it feel and then do that in an airplane. How do you feel that? How do you explain it? <laughs> I, I mean, candidly, I, I feel man, horrible, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of organic indoor air, or organic air in general, and then, then man-made air. There's kind of a two ends of the spectrum there. When I, I look at some of the, I just want to define some of the terms you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned VOCs. What we're referring to there are volatile organic compounds. Is that right? Sure, yes, yes. And what are some of those uh, VOCs that commonly get into our air when we're indoors? Well, it's um, it's benzene or formaldehyde and, and whatnot that has been used in different ways uh, as a part of loose or carpets or, or, or coatings or adhesives or aerosols and so on. Those kind of come from, from us humans also in, in a different different ways. So VOCs is one of the biggest kind of indoor air related, related uh, problem. Then there's particulate matter, PM 2.5 and, and so on, which usually comes from, from pollu outdoor traffic pollution and so on. And if the, if the building works out right and, and uh, it kind of uh, filters those, those physical particles, then usually that isn't a big issue indoors. Then there's microbes and then there's temperature and humidity, kind of uh, uh, these kind of stuff. So the indoor environment consists of those four, five, six things. When we look at just sort of general humidity, because you and I were talking about this before we started recording, what's the problem with humidity in indoor buildings these days? Well, it, usually it's too dry. And uh, especially with these energy efficient uh, kind of sealed buildings, buildings the, the mechanical air ventilation dries up the air pretty efficiently. And, uh, and that, that usually causes like eye irritation 
your skin is dry, your skin is your biggest organ, as you know, and, and, and if it's dry, that causes a problem. Uh, and then the, those examples of mucous membranes and micro cracks to those, those membranes and, and that causing viruses to pass through and, and so on. There's a lot of different things. Things Usually it's kind of, uh, kind of um, more irritation or hindrances than bigger problems, but naturally that those can lead to in the bigger problems if not fixed. And it kind of, even though it's a pretty simple kind of a thing, at humidity indoors, it's pretty hard to find a solution for that, or at least like a healthy solution or a long-term solution for that, other than adjusting adjusting the the air, air ventilation rates and 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 so on. And or if you're living in a in a near a forest or a park, you can you can open your windows if you're if you have if you have that luxury. But if you're sitting in a town like Singapore, where you know, yes, there is a, quite a lot of green in Singapore. It's still, you know, you're getting kicked off from the coal mines in Indonesia, whatever it is. That's not always an option. And it sounds like for humidity, it's not just a matter of like here, let's crank up a humidifier on indoor in a building. There's there's better ways to do that. Suffice to say, right? Well, yeah, naturally, kind of. If you if you think about again, love our bodies. What, it, it should be like 35 between between 35 and 55 kind of a percentage the kind of the humidity levels indoors all the time and actually I'm, I'm now sitting in Helsinki Finland where we have like four or five months out of pretty cold weather and, and and dry dry weather here in Finland and and it might be that for a month we have like a humidity levels of 15 degrees here in Finland and that you can, you can actually you that's a huge problem for every one of us. I want to just chat a little bit about how you came to Nava and how you guys kind of introduced this product because uh, the solution is a very unique one. And to me, it's just one of those ones that was staring us in the face for, as you said, hundreds of thousands of years. But it seems to, to work very effectively in terms of optimizing the air internally. Do you mind just walking through kind of the the origin story of Nava and how you uh, developed this? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like with many entrepreneurs, is this is a kind of a quest to find a solution for my own problem that I couldn't find when I was when I was kind of suffering from it. So uh, originally, I'm a I'm a I'm a physical education and health science teacher, and during my kind of childhood years and early years, I've uh, in, in the university, I've, I've been in places where they had some problems with indoor air quality in, in those buildings. And over the time, like over, during during years or, or decades, I've uh, I've became over sensitive to different chemicals indoors. So uh, I can kind of smell immediately if there's something wrong with the air. And and uh, I was teaching in a school uh, during my studies in 2007 and 8, where they had some a new build, where they had a new build school which had like off-gassing chemical problem, so-called thick building syndrome case. So, so the, the building wasn't functioning well on the air quality point of view. And they did they tried to renovate it or, or, or adjust the air ventilation rates and, and whatnot there. But there was a kind of a handful of, of teachers who had problems indoor air, with the, with the indoor air. Within the first three months, I had like mild problems, like my eyes were dry all the time, mucous membrane uh, kind of uh, infections, and my my uh, I lost my voice a lot, and so on. But then after three four months, I had like severe symptoms. I had like a really bad brain fog indoors, meaning that I 
didn't remember people's names or I, I just might might have said things twice in a row and I couldn't kind of remember that. So there were like more cognitive problems as well. I felt like I was to intoxicated all the time, even though I wasn't. And uh, the, the funny or, or kind of what made me notice that we need to just get fresh air or natural air indoors was that half of my time I was teaching indoors in a classroom. I felt really bad. Like after five minutes, I was like, oh God, this is going to be an awful, awful uh, hour or two hours. But then uh, after I finished the kind of uh, health science uh, teaching, I went outdoors. I, I thought, thought uh, sports like half of my time outdoors. Then after being five minutes outdoors, I felt good again. I didn't have any problems with my voice. I was uh, sharp as a, as a tool and, a, and, a, and a, there wasn't any, any kind of those problems. If you repeat that like hundreds of times, you just miss out, outdoor air or fresh forest air as I, as I describe it. I didn't have a solution back then. I was just thinking about open doors and, and, and uh, windows and, and, and so on. I went back to the university to work on my PhD stuff and, and uh, I met my co-founder Nico back then. Nico was doing biological water, water cleaning, meaning that using these big algae pools, uh, they, with the help of microbes, they, uh, he, he cleaned, cleaned like wastewater. So that has been used for 50 years or 60 years in like the, the, the water you drink today or drank today is, is uh, partly cleaned biologically. Then we started kind of thinking, can we somehow create forest air indoors or can we somehow mimic what nature does outdoors and, and, and get that indoors? And we started kind of developing these uh, biofiltration green walls where we use microbes to clean air and everything is kind of controlled by, by software or, or uh, our technology. This is fascinating. So I just want to go back to the moment where you had the brain fog, so to speak, because I think there's a lot of people out there who have done the the work on brain fog and have not uncovered what exactly is causing theirs. In some cases, it's really obvious, right? Like if you're consuming too much sugar, you're probably going to have brain fog. If you're having vegetable oil, like you deserve to have brain fog. But um, in the case of environmental sensitivities do, were you able to identify exactly what chemicals affected you or was it just broader off-gassing from things like carpets and paints that is a big problem and and the kind of science haven't been able to do that it's, it's naturally it's always a kind of a cocktail of chemicals uh, I take a sample out of out of indoor air and, and analyze that in a laboratory it's always tens of different chemicals and, and so on again I never feel tired or I never feel bad in a forest, even though there's like 10 times more chemicals there. So it, it must be something to do with man-made chemicals, some, some chemicals which are not good for me. Good, move, good for me and, and usually those smell of new car is one of the worst one for me, even though someone kind of enjoys or it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good thing, but for me it's not. Or I don't, I don't go to like, of shop for my for, for my clothes or whatnot because there's a kind of a constant kind of chemical smell in a in a retail shop for clothes and, and so on those kind of things is, is is something which is kind of over the years has been a problem for me it's just my kind of body saying that there's something wrong it's kind of alerting me or warning me that you need to get out or or you need to take care of or, or mind your surroundings all right, I, I want to transition over into the plants and how they work and the microbes and everything because, uh, you know, I've 
read a decent amount about this and you know sean stevenson's covered it in his book i think it's called sleep smarter or something like that in terms of using plants indoors just to get better air quality right and i've, I've heard english ivy being one of the better ones but do you mind going in a little bit on how these plants serve us to to make our air quality better and feel free to go go completely nerdy on the science side of things uh, yeah yeah well uh i would start by saying that plants don't purify air and, and i can i can kind of justify that from, from a few angles but uh actually the kind of original study or the kind of mother study of a plant air purification was from nasa in the 70s and 80s where they where they uh, researched how they clean air in space stations like it's an enclosed space where you cannot take the air from outside as we do in, in on earth and and uh, they figure out how plants purify air and the long story short they figure out that okay plants do clear clean air if there's a kind of constant air flow through the root system of the plants and the, and the air is kind of uh, being in touch with with microbes which actually does a percent of the work on, on on that study they didn't have like normal household plants in soil in pots but they had plants in pots which were active which had like activated carbon and fans so that's totally different from having a household plant and and uh, the NASA study was that 98% of the air purifications uh, happened in the, in microbes, and only about 2% happens in the leaves, as people think that it's the leaves which clean the air. They might be a source of oxygen, but not actually kind of reducing harmful chemicals from indoor air. So that that's interesting. So everything that I thought I knew in biology class, uh, I guess you said that they do provide oxygen, but they're not necessarily the best filters. Do I have that right? Yes, yes, exactly. So if you think about cleaning air from chemicals, harmful chemicals, plants are not efficient for that. Uh, or you, you might you might need uh, like tens of thousands, not, not, not perhaps tens of thousands, but hundreds of plants to, to efficiently do that. And uh, kind of the efficiency in air, air purification regarding just plants is, is kind of, it's really slow. So in all of the buildings, more or less, the air changes. So the plants kind of uh, ability to efficiently clean air doesn't have any impact because the air changes all the time so that's a problem okay so the the magic is really in the microbes right yes exactly. and so microbes is it's very hard for me to describe what a microbe is but you know microbes as i understand them we have you know trillions of these things in our gut but uh how are these different are these just microbes that are in the soil or are they you know microbes that you guys bring in as sort of exogenous microbes if you will well, it's a, it's, well, there's always a kind of symbiosis between plants and, and microbes. So what we do in our biofilters, we have gotten rid of soil in the system. There's a constant airflow through these biofilters uh, where, where we're going to maximize the space for microbes to grow. We activate the microbes uh, biologically and chemically and so on. So we kind of grow them. Uh, they grow automatically because they use kind of the, the, the chemicals that can be found from air in that space. They use that as a nutrition. They break it down to the plants and, and, and so on. So it's kind of a self-feeding uh, um, system that adapts to the variations in indoor climate. The same kind of thing as in our stomachs, as you mentioned, we have uh, 
uh, billions of, of microbes in our stomach. And, and if, I, if I go from Helsinki to Delhi, it takes me a few weeks for the, for, for the kind of gut microbia to adjust to that local food or water and so on. Same goes with our kind of nerva system. It adapts to the variations in indoor climate, so it's biologically adaptive air purification system. Okay, and so the microbes, in a way, they're they're munching, for, for lack of a better term, on these things like volatile organic compounds and formaldehyde, etc. And these are the how that's how the air purification happens. Do I have that right? Yeah, you're you're correct. And uh, naturally, there's been a lot of kind of uh, doubts in the early years. That's just does that really work? And and the same biofiltration has been used in wastewater treatment facilities, as I mentioned, kind of naturalizing water to be drinkable again. And and in our system, it's been kind of researched in a multiple way that how does biofiltration work and how efficient is that it is. And, and with the help of airflow, it is really efficient to kind of naturalize indoor air chemical profile. Okay, so can we take a step over into the engineering side of this? Because my my geeky brain's working all all over the place right now, and so you have a constant airflow. Is that predominantly the indoor air of the building, or are you having an exogenous source of airflow that is going in on the microbes at that point? So, uh, for your inner engineer, Nava uh, is a kind of a self-standing product. It's a, it's a furniture product. You can just wheel it in, you plug it in, and it will work. And there are fans on top of the product, and uh, there's a constant airflow with the help of fans, kind of through these biofilters. And uh, it's a kind of a combination of three machine, machines. It's a it's a biological air cleaner. It's a really effective air humidifier, and then it's a good-looking aesthetic kind of a green wall as a furniture. So it's a kind of a three-in-one machine in in that way. We're trying to get, take the best out of different machines and, and combine it into one. Excellent. And by the way, all guys, for everybody listening right now who's wondering what one of these walls looks like, I'll link to one in the show notes, which will be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Nava. That's N-A-A-V-A. But coming back to the machine, this is great. So the microbes purify the air. How are you able to control the air quality then? Because you mentioned there's a technological component here too. So yeah, so right now we are measuring uh, 14, one four uh, different things from indoor air and the functions of the wall and uh, the humidity levels inside, outside of the wall. It's connected to weather satellites as well, trying to kind of forecast or kind of adjust the system uh, beforehand, before, for example, humidity levels drop down due to outdoor, outdoor humidity level dropping down <laughs> tomorrow. So it kind of, uh, measures everything like a Tesla car. It measures whatever it's uh, happening kind of surround it. And, and then it uh, sends the data to the cloud, and then there's a more or less a machine learning or AI system kind of optimizing air quality and humidity all the time. So it adjusts the, the watering cycles, the levels, uh, the lengths, the fan speed, and uh, lighting, and so on. So, so it can provide like optimal air quality all the time. Is there anything that the Nava walls can't physically remove from the air or change maybe not remove uh but change in terms of air quality like does formaldehyde still exist in which case do we have to deal with that in some other manner or could the nava solve all of this for us so uh again it it, it kind of uh, adapts to different chemicals that can be found from indoor air and the, the main reason for that is that it is uh like plants don't have legs 
So they are specializing in adapting to the environment where they are, where they sit. So that's one of the reasons that they're kind of there's certain type of chemicals or certain type of microbes that kind of grow into this, these uh, biofilters that can be, you can use the different chemicals that can be found from indoor air. It is designed to remove those chemicals. That's the number one thing it is it's designed for. And it can, can do all of those, uh, whether it's water soluble, soluble soluble yeah or or not and and so on uh it does efficiently clean particles as well it's not that good as as with the with the vocs and then naturally we can adjust the humidity levels but we cannot decrease humidity indoors if, if that, that would be for some reason a problem mm -hmm. and usually that's probably the opposite problem of what people have right uh okay so how much of when when I'm looking at the equation of how to optimize indoor air quality, how much does the type of plant matter? Because, you know, going back to Sean Stevenson's book, he always talks about English ivy being one of the better ones. But is are there particular certain types of plants that are better than others? Or is the magic really in the microbes? Well, regarding kind of efficient air cleaning, yes, it is the microbes. So, so uh, again, the 2% based on the NASA studies, Kind of the number that that the actual plant does naturally uh, there's it's a combination of different things one is that uh, are you going to be most likely or not uh, allergic to those plants or do they have flowering causing kind of different air pollutants coming in and, and causing allergy and whatnot uh, then how easy are those plants to take care of can they survive uh, four seasons like do they have a biological need to drop the leaves or, or whatnot during the winter time? So that's kind of the user experience for plants, if mm. you could say that. <laughs> there you go. And, and then naturally aesthetics and how does it look like and regarding kind of our green walls, we want them to be lushy 24 seven, 365. So we buy, we research over 200 different type of plants and we use about a dozen of those in our products in, in uh, two and a half, 3,000, uh another walls we have on the market awesome so said another way you know a high pollen producing plant is probably not the best idea for one of these things right yes yes okay all right so when we when you've installed these in companies you know you mentioned the benefits to cognition earlier what other results have you seen from some of your clients who are you've installed these walls well uh if I kind of describe myself, where where do I have uh, the most probable state of flow? Kind of, no one feels tired in a forest. Your kind of your senses alive, your thoughts fly. You give birth to great ideas, things and things and ideas flow. And and as, this is me, especially when I'm running in a forest or skiing in a forest. And a forest is kind of a human-friendly environment, like a species-specific environment. And uh, usually kind of the built environment or offices are not, especially with stale man-made air. You have that kind of a problem. And uh, most of us cannot work in forests, even though that would be kind of the most inspiring and the highest performing environment to do, I don't know, highly focused brain work, for example. And, uh, and but, but natural air it kind of is, the, is, is what brings in the, that kind of a flow as a one key ingredient thinking about human performance. Naturally, nutrition is one, sleep is another one, and so on. But that's something that is a passive way to interact human performance or, or health or happiness. The built environment is a passive way to do that. And uh, 
believe it or not, and, and no one usually believes that, uh, our customers, like half of the customers that get an AVA to their meeting room or open office or, or, or even homes, they say that they don't feel tired in the afternoon, which is kind of crazy. Like people optimize their lunches, lunches so they don't feel tired in the, in the afternoon and whatnot. But uh, it might just be that the, your kind of air is, is running out or your air is, is uh, filled with chemicals or don't have enough oxygen or whatnot in the, in the indoor air. And that, that's causing your brain to kind of slow down and so on. So that's one way to see it. And then we have done some like studies and, and research on, on kind of, can we remove the hindrances of, of uh, unhealthy indoor air, meaning the stuffy air and, and dry air and, and uh, smells and so on. That's another kind of set of, of things. And then naturally, can we somehow improve the cognitive performance at, at work uh, by reducing harmful chemicals from indoor air and bringing in kind of natural forest air? air chemicals indoors i love this this is great because it's you know we've talked many times about this on this show about how performance is a complex system and you seem to acknowledge that right it's not just nutrition it's not just forcing yourself to do the work it involves everything including your environment and your air and the way you've tackled this problem is is pretty incredible so thank you <laughs> no problem and Kind of my personal mission in this life has been to improve people's health and happiness and performance. And uh, I have a sports background, like many of us, of us who are interested in high performance or, or health and, and so on has. And uh, kind of thinking about preparation for a competitive competition or, or so on, like I've done like 500,000 times. It's, it's always a holistic view on that, including also social stuff and, and so on. So what would be like the requirement, if you will, for maybe an indoor airspace uh, for an office? Like, let's say you have an office and you can kind of demarcate sort of the square meters or whatever. How many plants or microbes per square meter do we need in order to opt? Is, is there such a thing as a very easy uh, mathematical formula for that? Well, uh, no, no one yet. <laughs> If you think about kind of our furniture type of green wall products, one-sided or two-sided, they, they work like Wi-Fi hotspots, meaning that the, the further you are from your Wi-Fi hotspot, the, the lower the signal is. Same goes with our Nava products, which kind of uh, naturalize and humidifies the air. It has like a 10-meter radius, more or less. Um, and and uh, kind of if you are in a bigger open office, let's say 400 square meters or, or whatnot, uh, naturally the one Nava cannot kind of optimize the air quality in the whole office. It can kind of optimize like 30, 40 to uh, 60 square meters space. Uh, and, and then if you have an open office, you can have multiple of those as, as hotspots. That's kind of our idea to do that. Another kind of angle on this is the, the psychological effect of plants. Like uh, biophilia is a, is a kind of known phenomenon. People's love of living things and the reason why you choose a window seat and and not, not choosing that, or why do you like to be in your cabin in, in the summer times and whatnot. So, um, kind of, wherever you look, you should have uh, nature there. It's not possible to have uh, windows to all directions, but please make sure, for example, that you, when you spend your, where you spend your time the most, like your desk, you should definitely have something green because that has an, a direct impact to your 
your uh, psyche as well. So within any sort of office, if we could just give a practical takeaway for people, just having, uh, if you don't necessarily have the novel wall or furniture, just having maybe a desk plant, if you will, is is that a good tip for people to use? Well, there's yeah, there's plenty of people who, who have like a desk plant. One is like for, they like to have green around them. That's actually a really built in, uh, thing for us humans in the if you think about us living in savannah or, or in a jungle or desert desert you um you're gonna f- always feel safe if there's something green and 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 that's kind of a built-in system for us check out biophilia if you're interested in this there's a lot of different uh uh kind of uh, uh, stories around how we kind of fight or fight or whatever it is that is kind of driving us how does biophilia impact that interesting so we can control our nervous system with plants that would be amazing or that is amazing actually because we can do it uh aki this has been incredible if you don't mind i want to transition just some some final rapid fire questions because this is extremely useful information for people and let's kick things off with just one which you may be a little bit biased on, but what's one area where you think people should pay more attention to when looking at the domain of performance and improving their performance? Well, that's a, I, I use this kind of a way of thinking of, of this like MED, like minimum effective dose uh, kind of a approach here. What's the minimum improvement, improvement you can do that brings the kind of expected output? And, uh, and and, and uh, in, in that way, kind of, where do you spend your time the most, especially in the built environment? Is it your desk or is it your your bedroom or where do you do? And and please make sure that the kind of microclimate is is healthy. If I'm uh, at my desk at work, I try to optimize the like two meters out of that. I'm trying to make sure that there's there's fresh air, there's enough light, there's uh, nature wherever I look, kind of in. Uh, around my screen uh, I have the hydration levels I- enough I can sit or stand or whatever I can do within my desk and, and so on I'm trying to optimize that small microclimate in- environment or for example one of the worst pollutants uh, at desk is your computer if you have like uh, these cubicle walls in your, in your at your desk like god there's, there's not, not many many of those around anymore but if you do, you're kind of reading uh, those fire chemicals coming in from your or chemicals who are trying to prevent fire uh, within the computer because there's a fan. It kind of circulates the air through that, and it's a really big problem with kind of your cognitive performance. So trying to optimize your microclimate, kind of an indoor climate change for yourself. There you go. I didn't actually think of that one. That's really, it's great. The, is the computer itself, is it an off-gassing process or is it something else? Is, is the computer spitting out gases from the fan? Shut down your computer and smell it. It's pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> it sounds like it'll also damage my cognitive well, performance. It's pretty bad. And then we all know that uh, kind of printers and, and so on are pretty bad as well. Same goes with a, with a computer. And then, uh, as I mentioned, there's always this, like, if your computer is on, there's a fan kind of circulating that uh, chemicals coming in from, from the manufacturing uh, uh, the parts of the computer. And then there's a lot of uh, different chemicals used there, so it doesn't kind of 
it up in fire and, and so on. Excellent. Uh, next question is, what's your top trick for enhancing your focus? Again, holistic stuff, but I, I would say exercise is, is, is something for me. If I, if I have a big speech or I have a really, really important meeting, I usually go out for a run in, in, a, in a forest and, and kind of increase the blood flow, get my right state of focus over there and, and lower level of, of negative stress and so on. So I think it's my kind of getting my body ready ready uh, in, in those kind of peak moments of focus. focus. And then if I don't have to have, have like a peak focus, then I try and do optimize as a holistic point of view, uh, enough hydration to secure kind of the, the, the mental kind of clearness. I, I use calm.com, the app, and, and kind of a daily meditation on that as well. And, and so on. So these, there's multiple different things. I, I used to be a big fan of, of bulletproof coffee or whatnot, but nowadays it's, it's, I try to keep it simple in, in, in multiple ways. Excellent. And you said your modality of exercise is predominantly running. Uh, do you do other forms as well, or is it just running? Well, I, I play semi-professionally beach volleyball. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> naturally, team sport is, is, is something, something that's really close to my heart. But then if, you, if I'm preparing for work-related stuff, for example, it's pretty hard to kind of schedule that before a speech or before, a, I don't know, whatever investor meeting it is. Yeah, and especially in the winters in Finland, I can imagine. Um, what book has significantly impacted your life and how you show up to perform in it? Well, uh, there's so many. Uh, regarding this topic, I think, I think it's... Uh, Aki Hintza, which is, uh, I don't know if it's, if he's well known in throughout the world, but he's the, there's a, the Anatomy of Winning is his book. Uh, Aki Hintza is a, is a Formula One doctor uh, working with the best, highest performers of, of them all, uh, including Heilek Gebrezelassi and, and those runners and so on. But he has this kind of a holistic view, view on, on, on happiness, kind of starting from the why, kind of why do you exist and what, what purpose are you filling in in this world? And then it kind of uh, goes around uh, biomechanics and 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 uh, physiological and social and, and mental health and, and whatnot. That that's great. You said there's so many, so I'd love to hear some of the other ones. But it's interesting that you gravitated towards Aki because you know there's a national pride thing there too, right? Uh... Naturally, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I love it. I would have wrote, written that. <laughs> yeah. So he's. Um... He's big into the core, which which I enjoy uh, quite a lot of Aki's work. But another one, kind of, which I've always been kind of a different thinker, like different in a. I I, I like like to think differently, and and uh, one of the kind of uh, that sparks my sparked my mind more or less was uh, Tim Ferriss, as we all kind of more or less know, like ten fifteen years ago. Uh, the, the four-hour work week was a kind of a, some kind of a spark for thinking differently from my side. Kind of how do you, whatever four-week uh, work week or what, whatever you want to do, and it was a good kind of a inspiration for me back in the years. Yeah, I, I remember reading that one. I was on a beach as in my former career in finance, and uh, just thinking, you know, how to outsource my life so that I can enjoy the aspects that that I enjoy most, right? Where can people find out more about you, Aki? Well, uh, 
naturally I would like to kind of connect with other people who, who, who have like the similar kind of a mission, improving people's health or happiness or learning or, or performance. So LinkedIn is a good one. Uh, and then uh, more information on the, on the Nava products, uh, you can find from nava.io, n-a-a-b-a.io. And, and uh, I will be, uh, well, I'm, I'm speaking around these topics in uh, every few, few weeks uh, around Europe mainly. But, but uh, if, if you have some ideas where I could, I could kind of share my <laughs> thoughts on, on this world, I would, I would love, to, love to kind of go and discuss. So uh, feel free to contact me in, in every way you can. Absolutely. And we'll link to all of Aki's contact information in the show notes. But Aki, this has been an absolute pleasure. I love what you guys are doing and your dedication to the science because um, that's truly amazing. And thank you for educating us, uh, the audience and everyone here today about this very important topic. And th- thank you for having me and uh, vice versa. I love what you guys are doing and uh, in- enjoy the enjoy the trip to human performance and and decoding superhuman (laughs) thank you the show notes for this one are decoding superhuman.com slash nava that's n-a-a-v-a and to all the superhumans listening out there have an absolutely epic day superhumans before you go two asks from me number one if you can head over to itunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and just give us a five-star rating it really helps get the word out Number two, if you can give us a little feedback, send us an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. Those of you that have actually taken advantage of this know that I read and respond to each one. Thank you so much for listening and have an absolutely epic day.